Sean McCracken here from uh, Hotel News Now, here with Lori Keel from the Kessler Collection. And Lori, um, it's been really an interesting three years now because we're coming up on the anniversary of, you know, the declaration of the global pandemic. And um, I just wanted to check in with you to see, you know, as a, on a personal level, as somebody in the industry, how has your perspective changed over the last few years? Like, how do you feel like you approach the world differently as a human being than you did in, you know, February mm. of 2020? Yeah, personally, if I, if I understand you're asking me personally, um, mm. it's changed a lot for me. Um, I... I am one, I, I don't know, I think there's a contingency of us out there that just don't feel safe. Um, and so I'm not a fan of, haven't been to a movie since uh, pre-pandemic, used to go really? two, three times a weekend, huge movie buff, haven't been to one since. Um, I don't prefer any large places. It's, it sketches me out to think about going to a theme park or a concert. I, I just, I can feel my anxiety. Um, and uh I, I like just wide open spaces. So mm. I, I don't know. I, yeah, it's definitely affected me. It's definitely at that. I have to say the pandemic affected me in that way. I think twice about when I'm in a, in a big, when, when I'm in a room with a lot of people breathing at me. But the other thing, unfortunately, that has affected me is in the same vein is it's all of the shootings. It's the mass shootings yeah. that are almost a weekly, um, it, 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 I hate when I hear something on the news that no longer surprises me. That's yeah. when I know, like if it could, if it, if it doesn't surprise you anymore, it can happen to you. So mm -hmm. those two things have got me staying uh, maybe closer to home and, and in less company. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously an interesting perspective from somebody in the travel industry and especially, mm -hmm. you know, we, we both go to all these big mega industry events, which is obviously uncomfortable for the reasons you just described, but the messaging at a lot of that is so much of it is like, you know, everybody wants to get back to normal. Everybody wants things. I mean, as somebody who doesn't necessarily feel that way, how does that color your perspective when you're hearing the, the larger narrative in the industry? Yeah, I think that for me, maybe it just gives me the, it, it gives me a perspective on the other side because I am very hopeful that people are wanting to travel and be out more and get back to doing meetings because it's certainly, um, you know, important to the success of my company. But for me, I'm really quite okay with continuing to do virtual meetings. And yeah. I'm okay with it on a lot of levels. I think outside of the pandemic and and the the mass shootings, I think the other side of it is, I find this very effective for me. I'm going to have a great conversation with you. I'm going to get off the phone and I'm going to get back to work and I can do 10 other things today versus when I have to get on a plane and go to a location. And then I, there's all of that in between is very unproductive. Yeah. Um, that might speak to a whole other issue though, Sean. <laughs> and that is that I don't know how to not be productive either because every minute has to have a, a purpose. And you know, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Well, more time to be unproductive is also important, right? Like that's a, something I think a lot yes. of people have picked up on. And maybe that's it is that I'm going to be able to do this with you today. And then I'm still going to be able to go home and have dinner with my family. Yep, and absolutely. I don't know that we valued that five years ago. It was, you know, I, I used to wear the badge of honor that you fly out on a Monday, you come back on a Thursday, you get caught up on Friday and you try to have a weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, me and you right now, we're having this conversation. We're connecting as human beings. And right. the alternative to that would be either A, we don't do this, or B, <clears throat> excuse me, I fly down to Orlando, sit down in your office, and that's two and a half days of my time that, like you're saying, we're going to knock this out in half an hour. Like, right. It's a huge difference. I think so, too. And and I don't think that's bad. I think that that is good use of technology. Mm-hmm. Um I think that there, you know, that's the other side of this is I do think that in our in our world, both personal and professional, I think we're all still trying to figure out how to make the technology work for us rather than us working for the technology. And and this is a a great example of how the technology can work for us is I'm able to be face to face with you. I'm able to have a real time conversation. And again, it doesn't have to consume 48 hours of either one of our lives. Yeah. So um, you mentioned, you know, obviously the discomfort um, with mass shootings and all of that. How has that affected your maybe approach to maybe not even just travel, but just your your life? Like, are there things that you're unwilling to do now be, with that in mind that you would have been willing to do in, you know, 2019 or before? Um, I don't know that I am. I, I'm. You know, I'm not that locked in to the fear, I wouldn't say, but I definitely think about it. And that is, and I know that I'm not alone in that. When I talk to others, I I do think about when I go into, I don't know, a a large store, I hate to say it, but I I do look for, I'm I'm looking for where the exits are. Um, It's why I don't go to a movie theater. There are two exits in a movie theater and they're typically at the front of the auditorium. So, um, but it's it feels weird to me to say that out loud. But it, mm-hmm. but I'm being honest. Like that's that's truly my reality of what I will or won't do. Um, but I think on the flip side of that, danger aside, I, I'm also maybe just getting a little more selfish with my time. I'm getting yeah. a little more selfish about where I feel the quality lies. When HSMAI asked me to go to LA and and meet with them for three days. I don't even think twice about it because there are so much upside to that in the networking and the quality of the meetings and in the content. When I have to think about going to XYZ uh, meeting that maybe I choose not to go to, it's, it's truly because I don't know that the quality is going to match the effort that I have to make to get there and the time out of the office. Yeah. It's, I mean, we're all at a point in our lives, it feels like, where we want to be pickier about what we're doing, right, after the last few Absolutely. years. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, the mass shooting things is, is, is interesting to me, too, because I'm, you know, I have a son who started kindergarten this year. Like, he's very young. So you try and relate as much as you can remember of being, you know, a six-year-old in kindergarten. Yes. And literally just yesterday, he was tell- I asked him, like, he has to remember one thing that happened during the school day. Like, because when I pick him up and I drive him home, I always say, like, just tell me one thing that happened. Don't tell me you don't remember That's anything. Right. And yesterday yeah. was the thing they did was they did, like, the lockdown drills, which I have Drill. no perspective on. Like, that's not part of my lived experience. It's just such a reminder of how different the world is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can relate to that. I have a granddaughter who is also in kindergarten and um, she was in VPK last year um, when the shooting happened in Texas at the elementary school. And I took her to school the next day. And I have to tell you, when I drove up to her school, which is already fenced in, there were sheriffs, our, our Lake County sheriffs 
across the entire front of her school, checking who we were as we were going in. And it made my stomach drop. It made my heart stop where I just thought, this is crazy. I am dropping her off in a location that is questionable at this point. And I know, I know the reality Mm -hmm. that in the grand scheme of things, if you statistically figured out, like, you know, what are the chances? I know it's a a small percentage, but the fact is it happened and it's happening and it happened to somebody. And that is that, that child in that car seat is everything to me. Right. So you start thinking, you know, and, and I have to be honest, I actually just had this conversation with my daughter-in-law the other day, and I'm like, have you ever thought of homeschooling? And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> who are you, Lori Keel? Like, you never would have been an advocate yeah. for that. But I holy have, cow. I have the same exact thoughts, like, because it's so – you're right. If you look at the numbers, if you try and break it down logically and statistically, like, it's very unlikely that this will happen to my child. But when you think of the consequences of if it does happen, how just brutally devastating and awful that would be. And then you think about the fact that not only is it not impossible, it's not implausible that it would happen. And you're like, that's right. That feels like too much of a possibility, you know, like even statistically, it's very, very unlikely. It's just the the fear is omnipresent. It's the same feeling when like we live on a busy street and – when my son wants to go check the mailbox, I'm like, I'm, just be careful. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and the other side of that is what is the impression on your son when he has to do the drill? Yep. Because I know when my granddaughter did the drill, they're going and they're gathering in a closet and they're talking about what's going to happen if someone comes through the door. And I'm thinking to myself, how can this little five-year-old brain yep. have any understanding of why you're doing that? what you're doing, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the implications yeah. of that are. And that's something, yeah, once again, I never had to conceptualize or deal with as a child that age. And with that, that's something that's definitely happening. We're no longer talking about the possibility of something bad happening. It's literally, this is part of his life now, is the omnipresent danger in his mind that somebody will come to school and will do something awful, which, like... Yeah, who knows? Who knows the downfield, right. the downstream ramifications of all of that? <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. Getting back to a little bit more of the business side, I'm just, I'm curious, you know, with all of this in mind and recognizing that, you know, we've all had the last few years to kind of rethink how we live and rethink our perspectives on the world. Like, how has it changed the way you interact with your team? Have you seen them changing as people in the same way that you feel like you might have changed as a person? Um, I don't think related specifically to the pandemic um, or even of the current events. I don't feel like I see that. Um, I will say that because of the way that we were forced to do business, I've seen the skill set change. And mm-hmm. that is my concern right now, is that is not a skill set that is... Um, it is is it is not for the long term, and so that is what I believe now. I'm fighting against is I have to get everybody to understand that in sales, this catch and close mentality, in revenue management, this idea that everybody travels seven days a week. Um, it, I have to change that 
for the future of our company because yeah. eventually people will go back to only traveling on weekends and not Sunday through Thursday. And eventually the funnels will dry up mm -hmm. um, and meeting planners are going to want more than just a computer response to a lead. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I believe that's where I'm at now is how do I undo what we asked them to do? Cause we did ask them to do these things mm -hmm. um, in order to get through the staffing crisis of the pandemic and post pandemic. Yeah. And there is a perspective there too, where, you know, saying going into all these industry events and hearing the opinions of folks, there is always this undercurrent there that the good changes we've seen for the business are going to stay, definitely, because why wouldn't they? The bad changes, oh, that'll all go back to normal. It always does, right? <laughs> like, So it is good no. to have that reminder, like, it's not going to yeah. be this way forever for a lot of reasons. Right. Yeah, it just can't. I mean, that's the other side of it, right? It just can't. And I think that that's where in my opinion, current events uh, are, are, it's the most important thing that you can do right now is just make sure at least spend a half hour of your day staying relevant. Yeah. Because again, if if you just sit here and you pontificate about things, I don't know what you're comparing against because I don't know of anything in history that is comparable to this. Mm -hmm. And so again, as long as people continue to work from home and remote and are okay with the virtual meeting, does BT ever really return? Does that ever really happen? And I love it when I hear these indicators that, well, by this certain time, we'll see it back to 2019. I am not convinced that that is the case. I'm just not convinced. I don't see a place where we ever ask people to go back to offices 100% of the time when the McKinsey study that was just presented to us last week says that people are more productive at home and they're getting X amount of work done yeah. in their remote offices than they did in office. Mm -hmm. Why are you going to go backwards on that? Why? Yeah. Has this, has, has that perspective, has it changed how you, um, you lead? Like, do you feel like you're a different type of leader now versus prior to all this? I'm being forced to be a different leader. We're being forced to be a different company because at Kessler, we really value that face-to-face. -face. We value mm -hmm. the fellowship of having everybody in the office. And so pre-pandemic, we were not proponents of remote or hybrid work at all. Mm -hmm. Post-pandemic, I am only one of three in my office that are on the commercial team. And you understand my commercial team in whole is probably close to 80 people. Yeah. Um, I have me, I have, I literally have one, two, three, I have three people in this office now. Yeah. So if that tells you anything, we have absolutely embraced remote and hybrid because we understand that if we want the talent, we've got to be flexible. Mm -hmm. And so as a leader, I'm now learning, how do you include those people when you have a um, an in-house lunch or an anniversary um, or, or birthday celebration. So now we're Zooming them in so that they can be a part of it. These are things that a year ago even we weren't doing that yeah. I'm now having to go, okay, how do I continue to embrace the remote worker and somehow thread that Kessler culture into their everyday? Yeah. I mean, the culture is such a, it's obviously such a unique challenge now, right? Because everybody... Yeah harps culture, culture, culture about everything. And as efficient as, you know, this type of meeting is, there is kind of a barrier there to establishing culture. Not that it's impossible, but it's difficult or at least different. Like, so it seems like that's a challenge that I, I'm not sure anybody's 
holistically figured out at this point, even though we've all been trying to figure it out aggressively for a few years now, you know? Yeah, I don't know how you do that. And I, I feel like that there, if there was any weight on me at this point, it might be in that, in that with Kessler especially, the Kessler in its essence, Kessler in its mission and its core values, you really have to experience it. Yes. This culture is very experiential. I mean, you walk into our hotels and you feel something. You eat the food and you are... Um, you know, you're experiencing something very different and how you can do that remote is still a mystery to me. And still, it's definitely still something I'm trying to figure out. And sure, I can get the remote people to come to the properties and experience it, but I experience it every single day when I walk in this office and I walk down the hall and I'm surrounded by art, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's a different, I certainly feel different when I work in the office versus the days that I work remote. Very yeah. different feeling. And is it feeling culture? Like, I think those two things do go hand in hand. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. It is. I mean, you guys, you mentioned it. Like, I won't, I don't want to just breeze by the, the fact that you guys have the option of, you know, bringing in these remote people to your properties because that's such a big part of the experience that, most companies don't have, you know, the power plant to just bring people to and say experience and immerse yourself exactly. in what we do. Like that's a pretty big leg up. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, it was funny. I have to tell you something and I didn't get to experience this, but I thought it was pretty killer. Last week, our corporate director of food and beverage, John Coleman, he's, he's a badass. He did a wine tasting virtually Mm -hmm. So he had every single property set up a boardroom or meeting room for a wine tasting. I mean, like the whole thing. He had the 10 glasses of wine in yeah. front of them. He zoomed them all in and they all had a wine tasting together, learning about the wines, experiencing enrichment. That's killer. That's yeah. an awesome thing to do yeah, and well, a great way is. to make it happen. More yeah. uh, more alcohol in, in remote work uh cultural building that's what we need that's the takeaway from this conversation right i mean it virtual happy hours for everyone yes but as long as the alcohol is provided yes totally agree so um i mean obviously you're chief commercial officer there's a big bucket you got to deal with you know sales marketing revenue um just to get a little more on the business side like and you mentioned like obviously you don't expect things to be the way they are now forever but what what would you say is the biggest change you've seen in you know the, the world you live in, um, in terms of how you think things should be run, or like kind of a different perspective people have had versus you know a few years ago? Yeah, I think um, I think there's two things happening here um, at this moment in time. The first is we really do need to push sales into their next transformation or evolution. And marketing was already forced there when we really started to see a, a huge shift to digital. Yeah. And then revenue management has been forced there because of all of the AI machine learning. I, the last call I was just on was all about revenue management technology. And again, how much technology versus uh, human inter intervention but sales has been allowed to continue in the place that they've almost always been. The only difference in a sales office, in my opinion, um, three years ago versus 20 years ago, is that there are computers on the desk versus typewriters, right? Yeah, like it's yeah. otherwise the salespeople are still in an office. They're still doing site inspections. They're, they're still doing the same thing. They have got to be pushed into this next place 
or I fear what will happen to sales is that it will become the next automated piece. And I also fear that post-pandemic, this catch and close approach that we have had to sales only um, it, it, it only serves to push for the automation because catch and close, you could absolutely get a, a computer to do. Yeah. So I think that as a as an industry, we have got to push to get the true value of sales, the relationship, 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 having a book of clientele, having those things that used to be pillars to a sales manager's success back in today's day to be relevant in tandem with the technology. There is a place for both. We're proving that in marketing, we're proving that in in revenue management, and now in sales, we've got to get there. Um, And that's that's something that I'm going to be leading very strong for Kessler and um, as part of the uh, advisory board uh, that I sit on with HSMAI and sales is that if if we don't push for that, I believe that those tech opportunities will come in and they, they will tsunami um, our sales operation because yeah. we're allowing it. Yeah. So the future of sales is basically the past. I do. I think that what is old is new again. You're starting to see it in marketing. You know, if you think about what's coming with marketing attribution, right, the cookies are going away. The targeting is now being um, sidelined you see what's happening. And so while we've had the benefit of all of this uh, super uh, granular marketing opportunities to really get down into your DNA and understand what you like and why you like it and how to deliver uh, and add to you that you'll, you'll click on, all of that's about to go away. So all you can do at this point is go back to what you know you used to do, which is to figure out where does that demographic that you want to advertise to live and what do they read and what sites are they on? The only advanced notice you have at this point is you have the benefit of knowing who's buying in those targeted approaches today to pull that research and development out for your future strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that, again, what's you got to know the old is still relevant. You yeah. just have to use it in a different way. Yeah, I and mean, that's that was the way of doing business for a reason, right? Like it. Right, right. So um, the last thing I want to ask you, I'll circle back around to the very first thing you said, and I'm just wondering what would it take for you to get back into a movie theater? Like what what would push you to make that move again? You know, listen. I, anyone that knows me knows that every every day at three o'clock, I'm at the microwave doing my three minute meditation while I pop my popcorn. So a yeah. really good bucket of popcorn could be the thing. But oh, that is a game changer. Uh, <laughs> it, it could be, you know, that that you just can't get that kind of popcorn anywhere. That's premium. But I don't know. I yeah. don't because there are really good movies out, and I think to myself, oh my gosh, it'd be so cool to go to the theater and. And then I'm like, no, I'm just going to watch it here because I can. And I, yeah, I don't know. That's that one, Sean. Yeah, that one got me. That 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 shooting at that movie theater, I believe it was in uh, in Colorado. That that impressed upon me something that I just thought, holy cow, where do you go? Yeah, you can't you can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think the takeaway here then should be that you're your um, husband's next birthday or Christmas present for you needs to be like a real deal movie theater quality popcorn maker. 
Yes. Because that would be seemingly what you need in your life. And I mean, that would be amazing. We talk a lot about like the appetite for risk in this conversation. I feel like being the person who makes popcorn at work every day is means you're a pretty big risk taker because <laughs> that's not the that's not the easiest thing to that's not the easiest needle to thread. I used to at oh my, my old gosh. job I had a a woman who would uh, regularly make popcorn in our newsroom when I worked at a newspaper and. Oh my gosh, the days where she she microwaved it 10 seconds too long, you could tell. It was... <laughs> I got figure it figured out. I would not do that to these... I love these people that I work with. So I, it's two minutes and 50 seconds, and that's it. And if anything remains unpopped, it was meant to be. Like, that's the way it is. <laughs> that's you can't the attitude. assault the office. As I've gotten older, that I think that's the attitude I've, I've learned to take, is don't worry about the unpopped kernels, because it's better than burnt kernels. Ooh, that's, that's a life the lesson. Quote, quote of the day, Sean. <laughs> quote of the day, right there. All right. Well, Lori, I really appreciate you taking the time. I, I this has been a Always. wonderful conversation. Always. Thank you for the invite.